Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking about Northern Lights and how to chase them. With me, Mary Beth Krasinski. She is a professional photographer who does this all the time and specifically where we can do it in Munising. And as I said, Mary Beth is joining us to talk about the Northern Lights. First, Mary Beth, how are you today? I am doing great. <laughs> that is awesome. And where in the world are you right this very? I mean, obviously, you're not near the Northern Lights, even though that's what we see behind you. But where are yes. you right now? <laughs> so I'm in Crested Butte, Colorado. Um, I, it, it took me a good 24 hours to get used to the altitude up here. I had, I had a pretty bad headache yesterday, but now I'm doing okay, so... So and all's good. Are you, are you out doing <laughs> photography or just hiking or a little bit of both? What are you doing out there? A little bit of both. I was here for a work trip in Denver, um, NHRA, which is um, drag racing stuff. Um, and then decided just to take the week to go explore around the mountains, which I never really get a chance to do. For those of you who don't know who you are, you are a photographer who does some incredible work, which we're going to talk about. But before we get to that incredible work, how did this start? What what were you doing before you kind of discovered that this was the way for you to kind of travel and see the world? Well, let's see. Um, my photography journey actually started with drag racing photography, which is complete opposite of what I do now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, super high speed stuff to long exposure, patience, waiting for things. But um, so I did that for many years. Uh, it's kind of like a hobby. I, you know, I, I knew a lot of people in the drag racing world and they always liked seeing their cars you know, in pictures of their cars. So I just got, I got a kick out of it and I liked watching it. So it was a win-win. Um, I stumbled into the night photography world sort of by accident. I really didn't think that you could take pictures of the night sky without like really fancy equipment. You know, for some reason I thought you had to have telescopes and all these things. And um, we were, we were driving back from a car meet one night, one night and I, I put the camera on the ground and just let it, do a long exposure. And I was kind of blown away with what came back on the other side of the screen. And then lo and behold, about like three months later, I have a star tracker. I have a new camera that can handle low light <laughs> conditions better. It, it just kind of spiraled out of control. Um, the Northern Lights thing came into play a couple of years ago. I was up at Tequamanon Falls and on my way back, I noticed something kind of odd in the rear view mirror so i pulled over and i did a test shot and it was um green like green as can be and i was like oh that's the northern lights and, and how i tend to do everything in life that that obsession started to take over so i started to try to learn everything i can about it because that helps your chances in seeing them especially at these lower latitudes um but it isn't not an exact science at this point so we're we're all learning together and you know they, we're trying to get more and more satellites up there so we have more data to go from. <laughs> sure. Well, and as, as I tell people who ask me about it all the time, I'm like, <laughs> you got to understand, it's not like a movie. It's a solar storm, so much like a thunderstorm. Yeah. It might be heading towards you and at the last possible second, veer to the right and then you, you, don't, you don't get it. And so I want to talk about that. And I also want to say uh, I, your perspective on night photography before you do it is very much like mine. The very first time I went to Headlands, a dude uh -huh. rolls up with like this giant telescope and a computer that's all in red. And he's like in it, like it's got a gyroscope for him too. So he's like, <laughs> he's going around with it and I'm, I'm going, I've just got my mirrorless camera. I'm like, should I just go home? I should probably just go home. Cause like, I don't even know what you're doing right now. This is like not a thing that I absolutely understand, but I was able to get some really cool stuff having next to no idea what I was doing. 
but I brought you on one for some tips on how to figure out those best times of years to come up to Munising, Grand Marais, and and kind of spots along the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore to do this. And then from your perspective as an expert, what can somebody who doesn't have a camera, just has a phone, or has a you know a low entry camera, what can they do to improve their chances to get a photo of the Northern Lights? And I know that's a lot of questions, so let's start with the first one. We're going up to Munising and Grand Marais. Kind of where where should people go and what should they be looking for both in apps and in the sky to know if they've got a shot to see it? In Munising Grand Marais area, um, one of my favorite spots is the, that Hurricane River campground that's in Pictured Rocks. It's yep. super easy to get to, and it has a really has a lot of good foreground elements to work with. So I, I like to try to have something else in the picture other than just the sky, and I, I find myself in a pinch. I usually end up there. Um, other than that, there's Grand Marais itself. Uh, I like that little town and, um, anywhere along that lakeshore, the pictured rocks. I've, I've taken pictures at the 12 mile campground. Um, and I'm the, there's a little lake and I'm, it's now I'm drawing a blank as to what it is, but it, you have to, it's about three miles on a dirt road. It'll come to me, but there's a little lake over there that I like. And then, um, on the other end of it, like if you keep going, Whitefish Point is a really good spot. Um, Tequamanon Falls, there's a uh, actually not even in the falls part itself, there's a like a DNR spot. It's like a boat launch that's kind of on the way up there. Alpha one, what is that road? 128 that goes up to yes. the. Yep. Yeah. 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 So there's like a little pull out and you can get down there and it, it's a river mouth. And that's a good spot for Northern Lights too. I've, I've been there before. So basically that whole swath of, land <laughs> from pictured rocks of let's say whitefish point all the way to grand marais so anywhere in there there's a lot of pullouts um that are kind of like overlooks and what's great about lake superior in general is it faces directly north right but just what you want <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so you can't really go wrong but her the hurricane river is one of my favorites so i always will plug that spot because i love it <laughs> now, Mary Beth, I know that patience is a big part of this equation, but what other things can people do to make sure that they improve their shots of maybe seeing the Northern Lights? So, uh, yeah, patience is a big one. And then uh, just practice. Even if you go out and a solar storm doesn't happen, you have Milky Way, you have Orion, you know, all these different um, aspects of the night sky. And the process to capture Northern Lights is really the same as any nighttime photography that you do. So anytime you get out there, you get more familiar with your gear because you, it really helps to be able to operate these, all your buttons and everything in the dark without having to use a headlamp. Sure. Uh, it, it's a sore spot with a lot of people, especially, you know, in these, um, like if the media says so something about Northern lights and everybody's up there, uh, headlights can really mess up images and, and, and just ruins your general night vision at that point too. So the more you can operate in the total darkness, the better. So I'd say no trip is wasted. Like if you get good pictures of the night sky, you practice your focusing at night, you know, just compositional skills, all that stuff you can do regardless if the Northern lights show up or not. So for me, it's always a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sure it is. Now, you know, you mentioned like when the when the media gets excited, you know, we are a week out from the last, oh, it's going to be the <laughs> yeah. greatest of all time and then it doesn't actually happen. But everybody kind of runs up. 
and let's say they don't have a mirrorless camera and they just have their phone, you know, how do they start with a phone first and maybe graduate up to a device like, you know, like you, you get bit by the bug and then you're buying all the things you've got a star tracker and all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. But they're starting, let's say, with an Android and an iPhone. You know, what's the best way they can manage that piece of equipment to get a shot of the Northern Lights? So the biggest thing is have a tripod. It doesn't even have to be a fancy tripod. I know they sell those little tabletop ones, you know, for selfies, I guess. Um, but you can use it for that. I I believe with Apple, um, it knows if it's on a tripod. And so when it does that, it'll give you a screen that that will allow for longer exposures. And then you just toggle that. And, and on the iPhone, like you'll, you'll want to probably do a 15 to 30 second exposure on an iPhone. And the reason for that is their sensors are so tiny. Sure. So yeah. 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 So you need like that extra um, length that you can get. I believe the Android devices do something similar to I since I have a, a camera, I haven't really messed with my phone too much. Uh, and mine only lets me do five seconds, but I believe you can do more than that. But I think the Apple stuff is a slightly bit more of an advantage than the Android stuff. <laughs> but really, that's simple. That it's that simple. You, it knows that it's on a tripod and then you just crank it up to like 30 seconds and let it go. We're up in Munising. We start taking our photos. You had this great blog from a couple of years back, and I'd love if you could spend a second or two kind of stock talking about it. Because initially, if people are shooting the night sky, they're obviously going to do a single shot because they will have no idea when I say this next word, which is stacked images. They won't have any idea what that is. <laughs> yeah. But can you talk a little bit about that move from a single image to a stacked image and what the advantage is once you kind of get full on in on the night sky photography up in Munising? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, your single image shots, and you know, I still do them to this day. It, even though I've I've gotten heavy into the um, tracking and stacking and stuff, uh, but the biggest advantage to using stacked images and tracked images is the noise issue. Um, and anybody now, who I, I'm going to pause for a second, yeah. Mary Beth, because yep. there are people that don't do this a lot. They might not even, uh -huh. you know, it's, it's very similar to when you have the argument about these earbuds and how I can great, get great. These are terrible quality sounds. So like if you're talking about, <laughs> so if they're just using a phone, they might not understand what noise is in a, in a photograph. Can you explain that real quick before you go on? Oh yeah. So noise is basically grain. Um, you look at an image and it just has a lot of like grainy quality to it. And uh, for some, you know, for a first timer who's out there, you know, it might not even bother them at all, like, because it's just a cool image, right? You got this cool night sky sure. shot and you're like, oh, I love this. It's cool. But then you quickly realize, like, when you start seeing other work online, like, how do those people get those real clean looking images that almost look like paintings? And that's where tracking and stacking comes in, because essentially what you're doing is collecting more data that you can then run through a computer algorithm and the computer takes out the noise. And as the short, short, sweet answer I can give you about that one. <laughs> and it's it's pretty profound. If people go to your website, there's there's that blog post in particular, the the difference between the single image and the stacked image is kind of stunning. So very quickly with you know, quickly for that, Mary Beth, how do people find you online? Where can they go check out your stuff? Oh yeah. So my website's shelbydiamondstar.com, which is I usually I don't update that one as much. I really should. Um, it's mostly for the store aspect on it. Um, I'm more active on all the social media channels, which you can do Shelby, Shelby Diamond Star on Facebook, Instagram. One last question, and I will let you go. 
first-timers trying to catch this before the season is up this year, what's the number one thing they need to have with them, aside from patience, to make sure that they have the best time ever shooting the night sky? Just realize, you know, this is all for fun. You know, don't get frustrated about it. Uh, Make sure that your camera... It, it's batteries charged and that you don't forget your uh, memory card. <laughs> cause I, I've, I've seen that so many times online you're like, because, cause you get in the excitement and you just grab whatever you have and you, then you get to your spot and then you realize that the battery's dead or you don't have a card in it. Uh, if you do those basic things, like you, you can even forget a tripod you can use a rock or even your backpack or a coat, just make it steady and you can make, you can make things work. So really it's just, um, don't get stressed out about it. Try to have fun. Um, even if things don't happen, the night sky is really beautiful up there. It's, it's, it's becoming a, uh, like rarer and rarer to see those pristine night skies like that. You know, I live outside of Chicago, so I never see that anymore. Sure. Um, so anytime I get to see it, it's like, it's always a special experience. And I like to drive that point home because we are losing the night skies. <laughs> so we, we are. Okay. And, and along that picture rock <laughs> national lakeshore, right? There's just that mysticism to begin with, even before you yep. get to the night sky. So you put those two things together and it's just magic. It really is. I, I love going up there anytime that I can. Um, in terms of, I'll, I'll just touch on this one thing. So Northern lights kind of, they can happen all year um, and these middle latitudes. And that's because it doesn't get so up in the Arctic, they lose their nighttime in the summer. We don't. So you get a couple hours at night, but there really is something to the equinoxes. So fall in like September and March that it's just seems the way the earth's tilted, like it, it, it just, it's just more effective. So if people are looking to up their chances of seeing them, you know, maybe plan something in the fall or the spring, uh, summertime, we just don't have that much nighttime. Yeah. And then in the winter, winter time, you know, it can be difficult cause it's really cold. No, I, I go out in the cold a lot, but um, for some people, that's not really <laughs> what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, well, and sometimes, depending on how cold and how north you are, your camera doesn't want to do it either. So No, it, it, get, they get, it gets frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mary Beth, thank you so much for the time, and we look forward to seeing what else you're going to shoot for the rest of the year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> <All right. laughs>